Today we're going to talk about, uh, I'm just going to go through a text in the Bible um, about the church and about members of the church and about um, being involved in the church and working with one another, loving one another and using our gifts to serve one another. So let me read this text from, from 1 Corinthians 12 and, and I just want to talk about it for a few minutes uh, today, probably be a shorter, a shorter program today. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12 verse 12 for just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body though many are one body so it is with Christ for in one spirit we are all baptized into one body Jews or Greeks slaves or free and all were made to drink of one spirit for the body does not consist of one member but of many if the foot should say because I'm not a hand and I do not belong to the body that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less of a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing? Where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hands, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, <clears throat> giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles... Are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all possess gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret, but earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I'll show you still a more excellent way. So I'm going to talk about uh, this uh, today, because if anything um, has shown a general weakness in the body of local church, uh, local churches throughout uh, America, it's been the trial of dealing with COVID, dealing with the COVID issue. And it's shown that we, that in general, a lot of churches don't have the unity that maybe they thought that they have. We have here the, the statement, the fact that all Christians are members of the body with Christ. They are united with Christ and all have the same spirit, no matter your background, whether Jew, Greek, slave, or free, right? So we have this issue with COVID going on that, that has caused some divisions. People have divided over, over these issues and um, trying to deal with that. And then we also have um, the idea of, of wokeness 
of wokeness being woke in the church today, which is also a rather uh, divisive, uh, divisive thing. Um, the idea that your ethnic background is an identity marker for who you are. So you're a white Christian or a black Christian or Hispanic Christian. Those, the woke people claim those as identity markers. Um, and therefore, they would say there's a, such, there's a dividing line um, over black Christians and white Christians due to uh, things that happened in the past. Uh, one of the particular things would be um, Civil War era uh, slavery. Um, and they, they want to pin everyone who's white in America into that category. Um, and then therefore, you know, there's a problem between them, white Christians and the black Christians, and there needs to be reconciliation. That's, that's the idea of kind of the wokeness right now in a nutshell. And um, they're saying that these things are biblical dividing lines. Well, at least they're acting like it. They're not really giving an argument from the Bible, but... That they're saying that a biblical identity marker is white and black, um, but it's not. <clears throat> biblical identity markers are, I'm a Christian, or one in the church, um, no matter what. So whether you're Jew or Greek or a slave or free, so you're totally different, you know, areas of life in this, in, in this society, you're going to be a, uh, in totally different classes, a slave and a free person. But you know what? It doesn't matter when you're united in Christ, you're united into the church together, the same Holy Spirit, same Savior. We're all united in Colossians and Ephesians. Um, the Apostle Paul gives instructions to, uh, to slaves and to masters um, in the church to deal with one another in a godly manner, right? Not to divide, not to have a slave church and a master church or a slave church, a free church, a Jew church, a Greek church, a male church, a female church, a black church, a white church. No, those, those markers that, that the world uses, black, white, you know, so on and so forth, those don't matter in the church in terms of being a dividing line. Um, they're not one. Um, there should be no such thing as a white church or a black church in the sense of that identity marker of white and black is something that divides. Um, that's unbiblical. Right here, he's saying you are one body, Jew and Greek. Jew, Gentile, slave, free. All different backgrounds are united in Christ and therefore are united together in his body, in the church. So the idea of wokeness, um, where there's black and white and so on and so forth as identity markers, is unbiblical. Um, it is not something that can be defended from, from Scripture. Biblical identity markers, um, even the ones that God does use in the Bible, like uh, male and female, he created them male and female, or um, what nation you're from, even those identity markers, don't they, in the church, you're still united despite them. You know, in Galatians, he says there's no male or female. doesn't mean there's no difference between male and female. What it means is that in Christ, there's not second-class citizens. It's not like, well, there's men, and then there's women Christians, and they're second-class citizens. No, we're all united in Christ, and we're all together in his body. Well, there's, you know, there's masters, and then there's slave Christians. No, we're all united into one body, into Christ. So that, that idea of even using biblical identity markers, like whether, in, like in Colossians 3, you talk about barbarians, Scythians, uh, slaves free, and so on, where you're from, whether you're a Roman citizen or not a Roman citizen, 
those things didn't matter in the church in terms of being a dividing line issue. Not at all. People were, they were united together because they were united by Christ, by being united in union, union with, with Jesus. So what we have here in 1 Corinthians uh, 1 is as a statement of fact that the body is one, but it has many members. And those many members may have all different backgrounds, but they're all united together. Because of that, he gives an, a, an illustration of a human body. A human body has all sorts of different parts to it. You got hands, you got legs, your torso, you got your face, you got your ears, uh, your nose, your eyes, your mouth, etc., etc., etc. And all of those different individual parts make up the whole body. And this is what we have his instruction on how the church is meant to interact with one another. And I think this applies more, uh, applies to battling the woke movement, but it also applies to. Um, serving one another um, during difficult times like uh, the COVID situation. Basically, you have here in this text, you have kind of two categories of people. You got people with a, with a superiority issue and people with an infer inferiority issue. You got people who are saying, well, I have so many gifts from God, um, I'm just going to do everything. We don't really need this person. They don't really offer much. So I'm just going to go and take over everything and have my hand in literally everything and do it, doing it all. That's a superiority person that kind of find others uh, to be kind of dispensable when it comes to the church because, man, God has really blessed me so I can, uh, I can go and do everything. That's superiority people. Then you kind of have inferiority uh, people, which are people like this who say, I don't really have any gifts. I don't really have anything to offer. Um, so I guess I just... We'll kind of sit back and, and kind of not do anything. And that's the other ditch you can fall into. So both of those are errors. You know, he gives the idea, he gives the illustration rather, of an ear, an ear saying, well, because I'm not an eye, I'm, I'm really not a part of the body. It's like, that doesn't make you any less part of the body. It just means you're not an eye. An ear is a part of the human body. It's not an eye, though, but it's a very important part. And all of it works together. Because he gives the illustration, if you were all, if the whole body was just one big, giant eye, you really couldn't do much. You could see, but you couldn't do anything. You couldn't move. You couldn't talk. You couldn't hear. That's it. You, you wouldn't be able to accomplish much. See, all the parts, the eyes, the ears, the mouth, the nose, the arms, the legs, the whole body working together, you're actually able to do stuff. You're actually able to do ministry. So he gives that rhetorical question. If the whole body were an eye, where would, the, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell, but as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If they were all a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. And that's what the church is. Many parts, many different people from all sorts of different experiences and backgrounds, but yet one body. And no one can say, well, you all, we don't really need people like you. You don't really have anything to offer. Um, that is false. That is so false. It's like, it's like what he goes on to say next. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Um, he says, on the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weak are indispensable. We need all of, you know, all the body parts. Like your eye. Your eye is a very vulnerable thing. And it's a very small thing. You have two eyes. And um, they're, they're protected, you know, by eyelids, you know, eyelashes and all that to keep things out of them. But they're, they're somewhat easily damaged. They're kind of vulnerable things. But yet, 
if we if I said to myself, you know, my eyes, there's little tiny members of my body, I'll just get rid of them and I pluck my eyes out. Um, I'm really going to hinder myself in a, a great deal of being able to do anything. I'm going to have a really hard time doing what I need to, what I what my goals are to do what I want to do. I I, I would be um, it would face serious obstacles um, by losing both my eyes. Or if I, if I cut out my sense of hearing, that would also be quite a, a difficulty for me to do the ministry that I do <laughs> if I couldn't hear anybody. But I need, I need these ears, these little ears. I, they're so important, even though they may seem like, uh, what's the big deal? And that's the same thing with the church. You have people who who are doing a lot of things behind the scenes. Maybe they're weak and fragile and frail, and they can't go out and do things like going out to the abortion clinic, or they can't go out and be preaching and stuff like that. But you know what they're doing? Is they're, They are absolute prayer warriors. They go into their prayer closet, and they are praying hard, hours and hours a day. See, that's, that's indispensable. It is vitally important to have people gifted to do those things and to, and to do them heartily and mightily to the glory of God. We have this, this, this essential unity in the body of Christ. He says, um, But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. It's, it's, we shouldn't view anybody in the church as dispensable, as in, well, they can, they can come or they can go. Say, no, you're a vital part of this church. You're a vital part of Christ's body, and we need you. We need your gifts. It's like a body not having its eyes. It's like a body not having its feet. It's, it's greatly impaired without those things. So if we lose, we lose people in the church, it, it impairs the church. If we say, you know, you're not important, it divides the church. If people themselves, and this is, I think, very common, people themselves say, I'm not important, I don't have any gifts to offer, I, nobody, you know, what right do I have to do anything or to make any comments? I'm not um, smart, I, you know, can't do anything right. That sort of inferiority thing, you're really cheapening uh, the church and you're really um, robbing your local body of your uh, gifts and abilities that God has given you. Holy Spirit has given you. You know, one of the one of the differences between the Holy Spirit's operation in the Old and New Testament is his equipping of everybody for their work of, of ministry. You know, in the Old Testament, you have God displaying his his work of his power in certain people to do ministry, like Moses, right? You know, Moses is you know prophesying and things like that. He's he's God's one of God's chosen instruments and he you know, poured his Holy Spirit on him, out on him in such a way to equip him for ministry. Um, but at Pentecost in the New Covenant, you have the, the, the Holy Spirit being poured out on all believers and equipping them for ministry. Of course, the Holy Spirit's always been operating and saving people, but there's this special operation of the Spirit where he equips people for ministry. Now in the New Covenant, that's every single believer, every single true believer has been equipped for some sort of ministry. That's why in Ephesians 4, Paul can talk about you know the risen and ascended Jesus giving as gifts to his church, you know, the apostles and pastors and teachers and so on and so forth. And their goal, their duty of those roles was to equip the saints for ministry. They're meant to help the average Christian layperson to do the ministry that they do. Now, what's this text telling us in 1 Corinthians? Not everybody's doing the same exact thing. We're not all an eye, we're not all an ear. We all are different parts, we're doing different things, right? And all of us are essential 
and what God has called us to do. We're all equipped to do these things if we're genuine Christians. We have the Holy Spirit, and we are empowered by him to do our work and ministry. So even in this text, it talks about how God, in, in the beginning of the New Covenant era, when this was written, that he gave to the church first apostles, and then prophets, and teachers, and then you know, workers of miracles, and gifts of healing, gifts of helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. And he asked these rhetorical questions at the end. Are all apostles? What's the answer? No. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Do all work miracles? No. Do all possess gifts of healing? No. Do all speak with tongues? No. Do all interpret? No. But earnestly desire the higher gifts. See, not everybody does the same things in this text. Now, many of these gifts um, ceased with uh, the apostolic age, like being an apostle, there are no apostles today. People are not miracle workers or uh, healers or speaking in tongues, things like that. But nevertheless, we all have gifts. And in Romans, he talks about other gifts and so on and so forth. We all have gifts, and we are to use them in the church. We're not supposed to keep them hidden, but to use them in the church. And we all have different gifts in order to round out, you know, round out the church so that we can be more effective in our mission which is to make disciples of all nations. So we have people in our church, we should be discipling them. Because making disciples does not simply mean um, somebody being converted. Uh, evangelism and somebody being converted is the first step of the Great Commission of making disciples. Um, that's the beginning of discipleship when somebody becomes a, a Christian. That you've still got a long way to go. Uh, the rest of your life you're going to be discipled uh, by someone under Jesus. So, like I said earlier in Ephesians 4, um, God, Jesus gives his church pastors, for example, to be that discipler um, on his behalf to equip the saints for their ministry. So, we are, we are called to, to use our gifts to not feel like we don't need that person or not feel like they don't need us. Not to be a superior, you know, have a superiority complex or have an inferiority complex, but to say, no, God has gifted me and he's used my gifts and he has gifted my fellow Christians and we need to all work together to be a strong body and so on and so forth. So during, during these difficult times where people are having all sorts of questions about all sorts of stuff regarding uh, COVID, um, we need to still be involved with serving one another, um, even if there are things that are making that difficult, even if there are disagreements among the body over um, handling these situations. We need to help one another. That's not to say that everybody's right, because if you know anything about me and about logic and things like that, that uh, the law of non-contradiction is true, that two contradictory beliefs cannot be true at the same time and in the same relationship. But that does mean that even if even when there are disagreements and um, different views on how to handle things, we still need to love one another, be patient with one another, um, and serve one another in using our gifts. So if somebody uh, needs help with something, we need, to be, we need to be helping them with whatever, whatever way that we are gifted to, whether that's physical aid, whether that's um, helping them with their uh, problems, emotional problems, or just visiting with people, or whatever it may be. Um, you know, there's some things so like administration here is one of the gifts, helping organize the church or manage uh, the church in that way to help people come together. We all just need to be, keep in mind that we need to use our gifts in the church and say, I need this local body, and yes, they need me too. 
Um, we are, none of us are, are dispensable. We are all indispensable and we all have a role and all of it has importance. It's not all this, we don't all do the same exact thing, but all that we each, all that we do as individual members, um, we do with a, with a purpose that God has given us to do and it's a good purpose. Uh, final word here, I wanted to um, read <coughs> Excuse me. A little bit from uh, second. Uh, let me see here if I can find it. I want to read from the text about uh, being patient with one another. Um, if I can find it here. Yeah, First Thessalonians uh, five, verse twelve. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work, and be at peace among yourselves. We'll stop there for a second. So the elders, your leaders in the church, respect them, honor them, esteem them very highly in love because of the labor that they do among you. So their, their role, like I said, is to equip you for your ministry, to have you be grounded and rooted so that you're not tossed to and fro by the wind and past, you know, uh, tossed about by every uh, wind of doctrine. So he says next, Be, we, and we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle. So you got these people who, are, who aren't doing anything, who are undisciplined or disorderly. Say, come on, you need, you need to get together. You need to help them get their act together. I need to help them. Give them a, a stern but loving uh, correction. But then encourage the faint-hearted. Those who are faint-hearted, you don't, you don't feed in them, you encourage them, you lift them up. Help the weak. To those who are weak, those who are struggling uh, doctrinally, those who are struggling with understanding or believing things, you help them. Carry them, carry them along, nurture them. And he says this, be patient with them all. Even the idol? Yes. Even the guy who needs to be admonished? Yes. Be patient with them all. And that's the key I think for now, for our application, is that use your gifts. Don't think anybody's uh, dispensable who's a Christian uh, in your church. You know, view them as um, as worthwhile as somebody who who you share unity in in Christ and who have the same Holy Spirit. And and use your gifts to help them, to encourage them, to admonish them if necessary. But all the time, being patient with them. So doing, doing things rashly out of anger or too quickly, no, be patient. Be patient. When you have disagreements, be patient. When you um, are trying to figure something out or deal with issues in the church or how to, how to a best strategy to do a ministry, be patient with one another as you work things out and figure things out. Everybody has their gifts. Nobody is perfect. Nobody is, is um, the, the ultimate church member. We all need each other. Some people, um, their gifts might be um, more obvious and more um, upfront, you know, like teachers teaching gifts like that. And those are very important. But that doesn't mean that other things are not important. That's Paul's argument. It's like just because you're not a mouth doesn't mean that uh, you're not important just because, you know, you're a foot or something like that, you know. They're all, all the members of the body are important, and we should never think that anybody's uh, dispensable or that we have nothing to offer the church. Uh, that would be wrong. Something for us to, to contemplate and um, 
think about as we try to navigate serving in our church and serving with evangelism in our areas and reaching the lost to think, how can I encourage others to use their gifts? How can I use my gifts in the church to serve, uh, serve the Lord and, and serve others? And uh, especially during this time where it's very difficult and complicated as the world is, uh, at least in America, is seemingly falling to pieces and uh, communism is, is rising, at least the ideology of it is rising in many places. Cities are being burned. Um, people are hate, hate each other. You know, how can we come in as the church and be united and actually act united? Um, that's the question I think we should be pondering. How can we, we be how can we be united in the truth and use our gifts to serve one another, serve the Lord, and then do our do the Great Commission by making disciples of all nations? These are these are some of the things that uh, I'd like to see more people talking about as they are vitally important and um, that we can share. Um, our gifts and our ideas to help each other do that. So uh, with that, I think I'll go ahead and, uh, and wrap it up. Um, again, this is uh, John O'Rourke with Full Armor Ministries. If you want to check out uh, our website, it's uh, fullarmorministries.org. The uh, link will be in the description. If you liked this video, um, you subscribe, hit the subscribe button down there, and hit uh, the notification bell. That'll notify you when a video is uploaded. And uh, stay tuned. We have some uh, some new types of videos coming out um, come out pretty soon. We're going to start producing uh, here in the near future, uh, dealing with a lot of apologetic questions. They're going to be shorter videos, um, ones that are easy to share with your friends or easy to get answers for yourself. They're going to be directed at Christians and non-Christians. They're going to be kind of quick answers to apologetic questions, questions um, about the faith or against the Christian faith. A lot of different topics. Um, and we're going to produce those and try to make that a good series to help people uh, understand the Bible better and understand apologetics better and understand the Christian faith, the Christian worldview in general uh, better. So looking forward to that. Stay tuned for that in the upcoming weeks and months. And um, again, this is John with Full Armor Ministries. Thanks for watching. Mm -hmm.